Welcome to From the Den Podcast, providing Bears and NFL fans alike with compelling news, discussion, and debate. I'm your co-host, Benjamin, joined alongside my dear friend and co-host, Orrin. Hey, Benjamin, let's get right into it. As always, kickoff starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the pilot episode of From the Den Podcast. If you couldn't tell from the intro, I am Benjamin. And I'm Oren. And in this episode, we are going to be discussing what went wrong in the 2019 Bears season, or at least what was disappointing. But before we get into that, first, we just have some current news. Starting with that, on Thursday, April 16th, the Bears re-signed Sherrick McManus. For those of you who don't know who Sherrick McManus is, he actually played the most games for the Bears in the 2010s. Uh, he, Although he mostly played on special teams in 2018, he actually subbed in as a cornerback for Bryce Callahan after Bryce Callahan hurt his leg. The Bears hope that the 32-year-old is as successful on special teams as he normally is, or as he normally has been. We do not know how much money he was paid. Also, before free agency, the Bears placed a second-round tender on Roy Robertson-Harris. On Wednesday, he accepted his tender, a a one-year deal worth $3 million. Roy Robertson-Harris is a key asset for the Bears. He was an undrafted free agent in 2016 out of the University of Texas in El Paso. He slowly worked his way into the Bears' rotation. And last season, the 26-year-old recorded two and a half sacks, three passes deflected, and 22 solo tackles. He's primed for a breakout year. All right, Oren, let's get right into it. Who should be blamed for the failure of the Bears' season or just general disappointment as they did go 8-8? Eight and eight? Well, there's so many different reasons for why they went 8-8 eight and eight and why their offense was so bad and why their defense regressed. But their offensive side, it all stems from the offensive line. They were unable to run the ball. David Montgomery averaged only 3.7 yards per attempt, which is not very good. Tariq Cohen averaged 3.3 yards per attempt in 2019. But you could say maybe the running backs are not great. But in 2018, he averaged the line, the offensive linemen were not great. But in 2018, he averaged four and a half yards per attempt, which means he played a lot worse with the offensive line in 2019. Okay, Oren, I have a rebuttal to your point. But before I say that, I just want to make clear, I actually agree with what you're saying here. But what do you have to say to those who say, well, maybe just Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery weren't playing very well. How are you going to blame the offensive line for well, their e- inabilities? Well, even if Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery weren't playing well, you can look at the stats, which I'll show you in a few seconds. The passing offense and the offensive line, when it came to pass protection, they were not very good. They were poor. So all around the offensive line, obviously in the pass protection, they didn't play well. And maybe the running backs didn't play well in general, but you could tell by the way Montgomery was playing and Cohen was playing, they were getting stopped right at the offensive, right, right at the line of scrimmage. They had nowhere to go. You could tell that Montgomery was fighting for every yard he could. Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's kind of a miracle in some aspects that Montgomery didn't average negative yards. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And also, if you look at it, the Bears were sixth to last in the NFL in rushing yards, fourth to last in the NFL with rushing yards per attempt. Now, in all of that, and in 2018, the, no, this year, the Bears allowed the 12th most sacks in the NFL with 45. But in 2018, the Bears led up the ninth least amount of sacks with 33. So obviously they were letting up too many sacks this year. Trubisky had no time to throw the ball. In 2019, the Bears gave up the 13th worst sack rate in the NFL, which was 7.3%. But in 2018, the Bears had the seventh best sack rate, which was 6%. Also, according to Football Outsiders, in 2018, the Bears had the seventh best pass protection. But in 2019, the Bears had the 21st best pass protection in the NFL. Trubisky had no time to throw the ball. He was constantly getting sacked. You can't throw the ball if you're going to get sacked. If you have pressure in your face, the ball is going to be thrown a bit too far to the left, a bit too far to the right. And also, it's a lot harder for a quarterback to do well if there's no running game. They can they don't have to rush that many players because they don't really have to worry about there being a real... Okay, Oren, Oren, Oren. Well, I don't deny that the offensive line was bad. Are you going to just defend all of Trubisky's mistakes? I can show you plenty of examples of where the offensive line was doing fine and Trubisky still delivered a bad throw. So are you really going to make all of the Bears uh, bad things that happened in 2019? Are you really going to blame it entirely on the offensive line? No, it wasn't entirely on the offensive line. Not entirely, but Trubisky would have had a better year if he had the protection he had last year. Because not only if he had the pass protection, he would have more time. Obviously, a quarterback does better with more time. Second of all, 
any quarterback does better with a run game because if there's a run game, the defense has to stack more people in the box, which means that there's less defenders to guard the, to guard the receivers, which means it's easier for a receiver to get open. So it may not all be the offensive line, but all in all, it all stems into the offensive line. And if they play better, the offense may not have been the best in the NFL. I'm not arguing that, but they would have at least been close to what they were last year. Fine, fine. I can agree with that. Okay, my turn. You, you got something else to say, Orin? No, you can go. All right. So to your point of saying that it all stems back to blank and your, and your example is the offensive line, I would like to say really all stems back to coach Matt Nagy that I really wanted to like, and I really did like in 2018, but in 2019, he just made plenty of mistakes that I just were inexcusable for me. And I think the big problem with coach Matt Nagy is that he does not know how to adjust to his personnel. If you look at a guy like Kyle Shanahan, when he was in Atlanta coaching for Matt Ryan, he made Matt Ryan uh, an above average quarterback at best into a literal MVP. And then when he goes to San Francisco, instead of trying to make Jimmy Garoppolo into that same MVP type player, he recognizes that they have three running backs and instead uh, implements that scheme. So a little bit of a tangent there, but what I'm saying is Matt Nagy came from a scheme in Kansas City where he was scheming for Mahomes and even Alex Smith, who I would say is uh, is better than Trubisky, and he's trying to make uh, Trubisky into one of those type of players by having him throw 40, 50 passes a game, which is not the Chicago offense and frankly never has been. You're right, but what I would say against that is last year and this year, Trubisky has been given so many different opportunities. Matt Nagy has tried to make it so easy for him. And maybe it comes to the point that it may appear that Matt Nagy's making bad calls. But what happens if it is Trubisky? What happens if it is the offensive line? What happens if it is the receivers and tight ends and running backs? Well, there are even more things than just the Trubisky problem. Also, you were talking about the offensive line. What, like, how come suddenly from 2018 to 2019, they got so much worse? They decreased so much. What I think is that they were just generally undisciplined. You look at how many penalties they took in 2019. Part of that has to be the coach. And part of that makes me question Nagy's leadership in general. They were just, in one word, 2019 Bears were undisciplined. And that stems back to the offensive line. And that stems back to Matt Nagy. I agree with what you're saying about their undisciplined, but I'm not really sure that it's Matt Nagy's fault. You can tell that he made a few mistakes here and there, but I heard that I, there was a rumor that true that Matt Nagy had to take out 25%. He only had 25% of his playbook. Yeah, I know that. But, but who else's fault would it be then? Trubisky. Wow. Because Trubisky was Trubisky is unable to read the defense. Okay, 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 okay. I am not sitting here defending Trubisky in any way. Like I recognize that Trubisky is not a great quarterback, but you saw what happened in 2018. Under the right circumstances, Trubisky can deliver and he can lead a team or at least partially lead a team to be 12 and four. But for some reason, Matt Nagy was trying to scheme differently for Trubisky in 2019, trying to give him a step up, which I guess I understand, but clearly he should have recognized four games in. Like he was so stubborn and ever and refused to change his game plan throughout that entire season when it was clear that he, adjustments needed to be made. Another example is that is that in certain games, the I formation was working better when uh, Matt Nagy implemented it and it was opening up holes for David Montgomery but still at the start of the next game he would still stick to his old scheme I think that's what I, goes to my point again that Nagy is stubborn and he doesn't know his personnel very well I, I do agree with what most of what you're saying but also against the Chargers which is a team that had I think the sixth or seventh worst record this year the Bears lost and I get they lost by a field goal but no, no team should have lost to the Chargers unless they're really bad, and the Bears aren't that bad. And what happened in the Chargers game is that, Trubis, is that Nagy kept running the ball. I think he handed off 28 times. Montgomery had a great game. They, it, was, it seems more like Matt Nagy has tried everything. He tries to run the ball a bit, and it doesn't work. And I agree that he should be running the ball more consistently because the Bears do do better when they run the ball often. But that's not really Matt Nagy's scheme. Matt Nagy's okay, scheme. well, there's a difference. That's what I'm saying. There's a, his scheme isn't running the ball, and that's what I think the problem is. I'm not saying he should, be, he should be running it. He should be giving Montgomery 50 carries either. But I think he's a smart enough coach, or I hope he's a smart enough coach, to be able to implement, to be able to play to Trubisky's strengths and put in eye formations and formations that work for Montgomery's needs. I'm not saying he should just hand off the ball to 
like giving Montgomery 30 handoffs a game isn't going to just solve the problem if you don't coach the offensive line better. Like you still have to scheme better. Okay, so I have a quote from Ryan Pace that says, Matt talks all the time about the importance of the tight end position to our offense. So clearly it's such a, such a relevant. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Relevant. That's what? ridiculous. No, he thinks that it's very, very, very important. But it seemed like the Bears' top tight end this year in receiving was J.P. Holtz with 91 yards, which was 68th in the NFL. And the Bears had the 31st most yards this year. In, in Latin, they also had the 27th most receptions this year for a tight end, which goes to show that even though this is such an important position, J.P. Holtz was the best guy at that position. Maybe we shouldn't be blaming that much of Matt Nagy instead of maybe it should be the tight ends keep getting injured. Trubisky not throwing to the tight ends. Maybe it's the fact that Nagy wants to do these things. So you're you can, saying... You're saying that Nagy was doing all he could and just the, it's the own player's fault? Not, not always, but also it comes down to the point that Matt Nagy may not have thrown to his tight ends as much. He may not have called plays for his tight end as much. But obviously the tight end is such an important, important position in the Matt Nagy offense that I feel like there should have been more production out of it. There's no way that you can take the tight end. Trey Burton was a big disappointment this season also. I agree. Trey Burton was, Adam Shaheen was. It came. Uh, okay, the- Adam Shaheen is just garbage. I am sorry, but yeah, he's he not cannot block for his life, and he cannot catch for his life, and that was a bad pick. And they could have taken George Kittle. I'm pretty sure. At least he was. I know he was taken in the same round as George Kittle, and that will forever sting. Yeah, but well, not not as much as uh, Deshaun Watson or Mahomes. That that's a completely different topic for a different day. But um. I would say is is that the tight end position was not great. If you look at the other Matt Nagy offenses, which stems all from Andy Reid. Andy Reid is Travis Kelsey. Um, what's it, what's it called? Um, the Eagles coach. Okay, had- okay. This just goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning on my long tangent about Kyle Shanahan. Let's mm-hmm. say you put in a guy like Kyle Shanahan who realizes that the Bears have not great tight ends. Maybe he wouldn't. Kyle Shanahan or whoever this coach is who's able to uh, adjust to his personnel better than Nagy does, he would change his offense instead of just keep continually trying to like incorporate tight ends and then they do badly. And then you, people like you blaming the tight ends instead of blaming Nagy for not recognizing uh, that the tight ends are bad and trying to do a different offense. I get it that he, he should have played the tight ends less. But my point is, is that, it comes to a point that their production was so, so, so low that the top tight end was 68th in the NFL in receiving. Yeah, yeah, I understand. That's a problem. I'm not saying they shouldn't fix that problem. Just bottom line, bottom line, and then I'll be done. It all stems back to Nagy because although the Bears weren't perfect, although Trubisky wasn't perfect, I believe that if Nagy had, 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 made, had, had created a more disciplined team and had schemed better for the players that he had they could be legitimately uh, make it far into the playoffs and even like in Super Bowl contention I'm not even going to say that because that's crazy to think about so yeah that's my bottom line and I think I'm done for there for that question the 2018 the 2019 season was pretty much a mess they went eight and eight but it just didn't seem like they went eight and eight it felt like a four and twelve season but do you think that there are any positives in this season compared to the 2018 season where they went 12 and four and everything just seemed to go? If I'm being completely honest, I don't think that there are any positives that they had, like any team accomplishments. The only like main positive that comes to my mind is the budding relationship or budding, I don't know, chemistry, I guess, I guess between Mitchell Trubisky and Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson produced great this season. And I guess that that is one positive that I can take away from the 2018 season. But aside from that, I don't know. There's not, there's not much else I can say. I agree. I agree with what you're saying about the Allen Robinson thing, but does it really matter? Like I, I honestly, I doubt that Trubisky will play 16 games. I doubt that he'll play half of the season. 
So even though this budding chemistry is good for a Bears quarterback, that probably... Okay, fine, fine, fine. I won't even say the chemistry. I just think that Allen Robinson is a good wide receiver and he really proved himself in year two. He put yeah. up great numbers and he was a fringe uh, Pro Bowl. I agree. I think he should have made the Pro Bowl. But but he... again, again, I mean, I, I, say, I, I say Pro Bowl a lot, but to be honest, I really do not like using Pro Bowl as a metric for how good a player was. I mean, all stats can lie, but truly the Pro Bowl is just so... Subjective. It two years ago. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like it, it gets to a point where it's there are so many in whatever. I'm not a uh, different topic, as I've yeah. said before. So I agree with you. There were no. I I don't think that in general the offense obviously didn't get better. Defense didn't get better. Special teams actually, I think special teams got better, and that's the only position that I think really, really got better. I okay, would. Say I can agree with that. Eddie Pinero. He went 23 for 28, which was 82.1% kicking versus Cody Parkey in 2018, 23 for 30, which is 76% kicking. So that's a good two kicks that he made. Those two kicks. Okay, 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 okay. I would like to make a distinction here because the question was, were there any positives? Now, if I'm looking at Pinero's play alone, then I don't know if that's a positive. I mean, he was fine, but he, he really did miss a lot of field goals. If I'm comparing it to 2018, fine. But that, that's a completely different question that you're asking. You understand? Yeah, but um, I think in general, even if you're saying that, like, if you're saying that there's, like, positives going into it, that a positive coming out of the season, a positive is knowing that next year you're going into a kicking situation where you feel more comfortable than Cody Parkey. Because with Cody Parkey, it wasn't – 76% is not good. And I'm not going to sit here saying Eddie Pinero's is great. It's around average. But the point is, Eddie Pinero's 24. He's young. He's going to develop. He's going to yeah, become fine. more mentally strong. Fine. And Eddie Pinero already, he has a bit of clutchness in, in him. He has, he's two for three. I mean, he did miss it against the Chargers. I know he missed it against the Chargers, but he made a 50-yard-plus field goal against the Broncos. And he beat the Vikings in Week 17, which was a chip-shot field goal, but it's still a field goal. But when you look at Cody Parkey, the difference between Eddie Pinero and Cody Parkey is he might be a bit more efficient kicking the field goals. But really when it comes down to game winning kicks, Eddie Pinero may have missed. He may be only two for three, but obviously we know the double doing happened with Cody Parkey, which was just terrible. And also, if you don't remember in week five, Eddie Pinero could have won the game. It was like around a 50 yard kick, which is a far kick. And you, 50-yard kick is most likely a kicker should make it, but it's not a big deal if they miss it. But Eddie Pinheiro, he made over a 50-yard kick to win the game against the Broncos. So I feel like the, against the Dolphins, they should have been able to go into that, and he should have been able to make that. Also, Cordero Patterson, the kick return game. When you talk about the whole special teams... Yeah, I can't argue with Cordero Patterson on that one. Cordero punter, Patterson had a great season. Yeah, the punter, Pat O'Donnell. He played the same this year as last year around. He had some pretty good kicks, pinned them around the 5-10 yard line. And most of the time, you know who got them at the 5-10 yard line? Ooh. Cordero Patterson. He wasn't only a kick returner. He's a great special teams player. He's able to use his, use his athleticism to his advantage. When the Bears played the Packers week 15, there's a terrible call where they, where they said roughing the kicker. I think Not roughing the kicker, roughing the he called it catch, and they said called it roughing. Oh, okay, okay. Cordero Patterson, but it wasn't because the receiver, the, the returner touched it before Cordero Patterson hit him. But Cordero Patterson not only is great with with that part of special teams, but also in 2019, Cordero Patterson had 825 yards and he averaged 29.5 yards per return, one touchdown. It was fourth in the NFL in total kick and total return yards. But in 2018, the Bears had a weird combination of Benny Cunningham, Taquan Mizell, Anthony Miller, and Tariq Cohen returning kicks. And they have they had 440 yards returning, 19.1 yards per return, zero touchdowns, and 30th in the NFL in total kick and total return yards for kick returners. And that 10-yard difference is huge. That 10-yard difference is the difference between getting a getting Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't I can't argue with the special teams. I will say though. You're spinning this a little bit into which position improved the much and improved the most. And the question was positives. But that that's fine. That's fine, Owen. That's okay. <laughs> All right. So 
What position do you think regressed the most from 2018 to 2019? So going back to my excellent quote from Ryan Pace, where it says, Matt talks all the time about the importance of the tight end position to our offense. I think that the, the position that regressed the most is tight end. If you look at it, like I said earlier, you look at Andy Reid's offense. They have Travis Kelsey. You look at Philadelphia's offense. They don't only have Zach Ertz. They have Dallas Goddard. They drafted a second-round tight end behind Zach Ertz, which shows the importance of tight end. And the Bears, I think the Bears have the most tight ends in the NFL. They spent the most money on tight ends in the NFL this offseason. I mean, the, and even when, when you, you take think – Sorry, I'll let you go, and then I'll say my point. Even when you take out the Jimmy Graham signing, they were still top five or top ten in amount of money paid for tight ends. Obviously, Matt Nagy cares about this position. Also, the Bears are rumored to have to really like Bryson Hopkins tight end in the draft. And if they spend a second, he's supposed to go second or third round. Maybe they trade down in the third round to get him, or maybe they pick him in the second round. But they have a solid amount of holes that they need to fill. And if the Bears are willing to draft another tight end on top of having Trey Burden, Adam Shaheen, who's not great, but he's still there, having Jimmy Graham, then it really shows the importance of the position. Do you see some kind of a parallel between what Nagy did in 2018 or the 2009-like before the season in 2019 with all the kickers and what he's doing now with signing all these tight ends to just try to find that one good tight end like he did with finding Pinheiro? I think there is a difference. I think that's a good question, but the difference is is that tight end, especially for the Bears, the Bears spent a lot of money on Trey Burton. They weren't going to release him because they they would only save a million dollars, and he's worth more than a million dollars. They signed Jimmy Graham, which, by the way, was a bad, very bad signing, but at least the way they structured it is that they can can release him next year and get $6 million back. So at least they have that, but I think what they want to do is they – you're right that they're looking for the guy, but – they're looking for a guy to be behind Jimmy Graham and behind Trey Burden. They're not looking for one guy to step in and be the Zach Ertz of the offense or be the Travis Kelsey. They're looking okay. for a guy to complement Jimmy Graham's great red zone threat and Trey Burden's, he's a good receiver and Trey Burden's receiving ability. And they may, maybe they're looking for a blocking tight end because right. they say Demetrius right. Harris is a good blocking tight end. But when you go into the stats, you look at 2019, when I said earlier, J.P. Holtz led the Bears with 91 yards, which is 68th in the NFL. And in 2018, Trey Burton had 569 yards. That's almost 480 yards more in one year than the other. Okay, but if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, 500, what did you say, 569? 569 yards? Yeah, that is still, I mean, it's not like, it's a lot. It's certainly a lot better than what JP Holtz had in 2019. But still, that's not. That's no like elite, elite tight end status. But I, w- granted, there aren't many tight ends in the NFL who can put up 800 to 1,000 yards. So I will give yeah, you you're that. right. But the Bears signed Trey Burton. I wouldn't say to elite money, but they signed him to a big contract, and they expected him to do well. In the first year, he did well. They may have given him, may might have given him a bit too much money, but. I'll take 569 yards because what that is, when they have the tight end position open, it opens up the whole offense. All right, all right. Sustainable tight end, that opens up the whole offense. In in 2019, Trey Burden, who I think played seven or eight games, played like half of the snaps in those games, led the Bears in receptions with 14 receptions, which is 53rd in the NFL. But in 2018, Trey Burden had 54 receptions, which is 10th in the NFL. The Bears, all the Bears tight ends in 2019 had 27 total receptions and it were 27th in total receptions with 46. But in 2018, there were 21st in total receptions with 64. In 2019, the Bears tight ends were 31st in yards with 416, but 10th in the NFL for total yards with 668 in 2018. In 2019, the Bears were 31st in total touchdowns with, with two. 2018, they were 10th in total touchdowns with seven which also goes to the fact that they re- that they signed Jimmy Graham. Because Jimmy Graham may be old. He may not be great, but he is a red zone threat. He's big. He, he was the only – he caught the To be honest, team. Jimmy Graham – for all the talk of Jimmy Graham being a red zone threat with Aaron Rodgers last year or the, for over the past few years, he really didn't do that much. He really – I don't have the exact number on me, unfortunately, but I, he really did not score that many touchdowns. So I don't know if I have faith that Mitchell Trubisky will be able to produce either. But that, that's fine. That's fine. I understand what you're saying, where you're coming from. 
But in my opinion, and we've already brushed over the offensive line, so I'm, I'm just going to do this one a little quicker. But I think that the offensive line was a position that regressed the most because in 2018, they were really, I think the offensive line was more of a strength that the Bears had in 2018 than the tight end position. Like people, the Bears really, like I never had anything to say about, like I was never had like a complaint about the Bears offensive line in 2018. They still had like some tight end, like Adam Shaheen was still kind of trash in 2018. So I'm saying in 2018, offensive line was more of a complete position than the tight end position. And that is why I believe that the regression was much bigger. And this wasn't a part of the question, but I I believe it had a much bigger impact uh, in 2019. So I I agree with you. I think the offensive line was a very, very, very big thing for the bears that they really regressed because like I said earlier, it really just the offensive line. If you really look at it, that's what wins games. Good offensive lines win games if you look at most years in 2006 in the when the bears made the run to the super bowl they had a good offensive line in 85 the bears had great offensive line Mm -hmm. they good teams always have good offensive lines it's very hard to find a really 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 good team with a bad offensive line well whatever i won't get even i won't even get into that but that that's fine so it's fine so on the topic of the whole Bears like regressing, what player do you think regressed the most? Regressed? Well, I think that this one's a little controversial, I guess. I'll, I'll get into that. But really, I was disappointed by Tariq Cohen's play, and I really don't think that this was his fault. I'm going to blame Nagy again because that's fun. But I believe he wasn't involved. I mean, he was involved. He was doing everything in 2018, and people were very excited to see how he could step up. I, I mean, I saw but he had so much hype coming into the 2019 season. He was ready to break out almost. I mean, he was on the verge. He was, he was being a great um, all-around player in 2018, and really he was quite disappointing in 2019. Again, I, re- I don't know if that's his fault. He did have a, a, a few costly drops in 2019. But I just feel like he wasn't involved in the offense as much. So, so yeah, I would say he regressed, or I don't know if that's the right word. He was just a disappointment. Yeah, I agree with you. But what I would say is, is that if you really look at it, I want to blame it on Nagy. Because if you look at the stats, Cohen had seven, eight more receptions in 2019 than 18. And he may have had 30 less attempts. But it really wasn't like... It, he may have regressed in the amount of times he caught the ball or touched the ball, but if you really look at his stats, he his average of he averaged ten point two yards per catch in 2018. 2019 was five point eight. He averaged four point five yards per carry in 2018. 2019 that was three point three. And like I said, maybe you can blame the offensive line for the the inability to get a lot of yards, and maybe you can blame Trubisky for having less yards, but you can't really. I feel like if you have so many stats going downwards in a season, then I'm not really sure that it's fine, fine, fine. I can't, you brought up some good stats there, but bottom line, Tariq Cohen was a major disappointment in 2019. Yeah. So Uh, how about for you? Which for me, I have to say that it was Trubisky. When people, when I went and was watching, listening to Bear stuff, watching Bear stuff, everyone was saying, this is the year for Trubisky. He either flops or he does great. And people were saying that the NFL was... I mean, half of them were right. Yeah. (laughs) The NFL, NFL Network said that the whole NFL, the biggest player in the NFL right now is Trubisky. Because if Trubisky has a good season, the Bears defense would have probably... The Bears defense was top five in the NFL last year. And if Trubisky had a good season, they could have been a top 10 offense because they, they did have the ability. The offensive line decreased. The tight end decreased. Every position really decreased. But maybe, I'm not saying that it's for sure, but maybe Trubisky had a big part in their, in their, in their ability to decrease. Maybe instead of, instead of worrying so much about putting defenders to, to guard the receivers as much, they could stack the box because they okay. were stacked. Again, I... Uh... Of course, Trubisky did decrease, but I think that you're kind of arguing the point of how much impact he had as well. Yeah. Which I agree that he was the most impactful. Like, his decrease really impacted everything. Yeah. But 
So yeah, I, I guess I agree with that in that aspect. Aspect. Green also talking about how it was impact. Trubisky averaged seven point four yards per attempt in twenty in twenty eighteen, but in twenty nineteen he averaged six point one yards per attempt, which only seems like one point three yards per attempt difference. But really, that's a huge difference because when you really really look at it, I feel like Trubisky just kept throwing it short, and I don't know if that's Nagy. I don't know if that's Nagy telling Trubisky to throw it short because the Bears' offense usually does go with. You throw it short, and if you throw it short, then it opens up the deep passes. But it felt yeah. like throwing it short, but then West Trubisky hit on the deep passes. Trubisky had less touchdowns by seven, seven passing touchdowns, only two less interceptions. He had a passer rating of 83 this year and 95 last year. But what really, really, really took away from his game, what people called, I wouldn't say elite, what people distinguish as his strength in his game was his rushing ability. And in 2018, he rushed for 424 yards, 6.2 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, and he was a pro bowler, but we'll ignore that because I don't really think he should have been. Um, And in 2019, he averaged 190, he had 193 yards, four yards per attempt, and two touchdowns. Yeah, I do agree that his rushing ability, like his, it really adds another aspect to his game that can keep defenders on their heels. It's it's makes defenses have to worry about another player instead of Trubisky just throwing it made Trubisky an asset when he runs. All right. So now on a more positive note, which player improved the most? And after consulting with Oren a little bit before, I'm pretty sure we're, this is not going to be such a debate. It might be more of a kumbaya for this one. Yeah. We, so we I both think agree. Allen Robinson. Robinson. So I believe that, well, we, I think we both believe that Allen Robinson had a great year. Allen Robinson was signed by the Bears in t- the offseason of 2018. And what happened is, is that um, Allen Robinson came in. People were worried about his torn ACL. People were worried that he would be injured. And I'm not going to say he had a bad year in 2018. He had a pretty solid season. He had 754 yards, 55 receptions, four touchdowns, 58 yards per game, and 58.5% catch rate. But in a year where the Bears' offense was good, they weren't good. They were average. What For our standards, it looks so amazing now that we think back about it. But mm-hmm. the that they were good, he did okay. But in a year that the offense seemed incompetent, like they couldn't do anything. With Trubisky couldn't throw the ball, Allen Robinson was there. He had 1,147 yards, 98 receptions, 7 touchdowns. 72 yards per game and a 63.6% catch rate. Okay, Oren, Oren, I have one question because uh, I, I mainly agree with what you're saying. I, I do agree with what you're saying, but I just have one question to pose and then I guess we can move on. Do you think that if the Bears offense finds more uh, success in general, that will lead to the decline in production from Allen Robinson? Or was it just a coincidence that in 2018, when they were a better offense in general, Allen Robinson did worse than 2019? Well, the Bears offense, what Matt Nagy said, he said that the Bears offense, you never know who's going to get 100 yards a game. You never know who's going to get 70 yards per game. And it felt like in 2019, who were their weapons? They had no tight end. felt like the working game wasn't working. I don't know if that's Trubisky's fault, offensive line. But it just wasn't working great, right? Taylor Gabriel was hurt for eight games. He didn't play for eight games. Anthony Miller, he played well, very well for five, six games. But the other games, he just looked incompetent. So you only have one player to get the ball. And Allen Robinson, I'm not taking anything away from him. He stepped up to the plate and he played great. Yeah, but I can say, so I guess in that aspect, I yeah, Allen Robinson's production stemmed from all the inadequacies on the Bears offense. Because, yeah, like you were saying, he stepped up to the plate. So, I mean, I guess I fear, I don't, I don't fear, but... I believe that if the Bears are to have more productive offenses and more offenses seeming like in 2018 where they're able to involve all, like a more wide variety of players, then I guess it's just inevitable that Allen Robinson's production will decrease. But I don't know if he's still playing well when he does get targets, then I don't know if that's such a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I think that Allen Robinson won't be getting as much targets because he'll need more balls to go on next year. Let's say even if the Bears offense goes back up, let's say Montgomery has a breakout year, which I do believe could happen. Anthony Miller plays well like he did in the – Anthony Miller plays like he did in his four or five game stretch with you as a second receiver. Allen Robinson plays. Maybe his stats won't be as great. But if he plays like he did last year, 
and the tight end position goes back to what it was in 2018, that's great. Allen Robinson may have a year just like 2018. But the point is, is that you can now – defenses know they can't really guard unless they have a great cornerback, Allen Robinson, one-on-one. They have to worry about maybe adding another safety to his side, putting another linebacker in his way, which opens up more things to the other players. So maybe Allen Robinson's stats will decrease, but I don't know if it's necessarily to the cost of like to the bad scenario because if his stats decrease, then most likely, well, most likely the ball is going somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's a total collapse. All right, and then we'll move on. Unless it's a total collapse on offense where they just can't give anyone the ball. I understand what you're saying here, that if Allen Robinson isn't getting the ball, then it's going to be because of someone else. So I don't know if that's such a big deal. Yeah. All right. So, Orrin, let me take you back to the start of 2019, which, oddly enough, the first four games seemed a lot like the first four games of the 2018 season. The Bears lose a crushing defeat in, have a crushing defeat in game one against the Packers in both the first game of 2018 and 2019 leading to them to go 0-1. And in both 2018 and 2019, they have a three-game winning streak after that, mm-hmm. meaning that the 2019 Bears started 3-1. and one. After mm-hmm. that, though, the two seasons split apart from each other with yeah. the 2018 Bears continuing to surge while the 2019 Bears team kind of collapsed and really played badly, I guess. Yeah. So, my question is, what happened? What, what so, I think when you look at both teams, you look at 2018, which was a team that maybe maybe it's, it felt more optimistic than 2019 because the Bears had never been in the playoffs in maybe six years. The Bears just felt like a losing organization. This year wasn't even supposed to be amazing. The Bears were supposed to go maybe 6-10, and 7-9. Felt really like a good team. In 2019, the expectations were high. Maybe even Super Bowl, playoffs. Nobody really, very, very, very few people thought that the Bears and were going to go 8-8. Eight eight. Let me but, add on to that. Not only the expectations, but the schedule itself. People don't mention this this often, but when you're... This is why so many teams go from fourth place in their division to first place and then can't maintain it the next year. I don't know. Because two games, you're, the, the way the schedule works... You have to play the division winners of the two other um, NFC teams. Yeah, two other NFC teams. So basically, basically, uh, your schedule is going to be harder when you have won your division last year than if you yeah. came fourth. But honestly, if you look at it, the Bears' schedule in general was pretty simple last year. Yeah, it was fine, fine. Uh, but what, the Rams, they played the Rams, and the Rams weren't great. And the, they played the Saints, who were great. But when you really look at it, the 2019 team may have had less optimism around it, but it felt like they were stuck. It felt like after the Vikings game, it felt like even Chase Daniels, it felt optimistic with Chase Daniels. And it felt like their defense was getting somewhere. But really, it, with Chase Daniels, you knew it wasn't going to last. And their offense just felt stuck. It felt like it couldn't do anything. In 2018, the offense just came off of this great game against Tampa Bay. Trubisky threw six touchdowns, looked unbelievable. Yeah. And it was like the difference between the difference between the two seasons was the offense because the defense you knew was going to do great. The defense in the first four weeks was statistically on track to be as good as the 85 bears. Obviously I don't think it would have ended up being like that because the 85 bears team got better and better as the season got on. Mm-hmm. But my point is that they were elite and the bears offense just felt stuck. And in 2018, I didn't feel like they were stuck. And I, Say that this is why. And I think it's because Matt Nagy. I think hey, so he's siding with me finally. I yes. get to blame Matt Nagy together. Yes. I think, well, I think that not all of the blame is on Matt Nagy. I think it's Matt Nagy's fault for bringing in necessarily a bad culture. I think that Matt Nagy in 2018, the Bears like to bring in good guys, guys who want to win. But it felt like in 2018, nobody projected them to be. They were the underdogs. They had a fire to win. They wanted to win. When the Bears played the Rams, they beat the Rams. A great team. It felt like when they had the fire, they wanted to win. But in 2019, it felt like that fire was gone. And on the offseason, Tariq Cohen came to training camp. He said the Bears were going to win the Super Bowl. They got cocky. Mm-hmm. Matt Nagy brought all this attention to them with the, kicker, with the mm-hmm. kicking situation. It felt like there was so much attention around them. It felt like 
they felt like they were going to win. They felt like they didn't have to work hard. Even Tariq Cohen said, this year's going to, he said, Tariq Cohen, this offseason said, this year's going to be different. Last year, we didn't work as hard. It felt like a gimme that we were going to do great. And once the Bears, the Bears did start off quite well. They went three and one. But once the Bears started decline, to decline, they didn't have that fire to get back. Once yeah. they lost to the Raiders, they had a bye week. And the difference between the Bears, I felt like the Bears in 2018 is after their bye week, they lost to the Dolphins. And again, they lost to the Patriots. But the Patriots lost. It wasn't terrible. It was a good Patriots team who won the Super Bowl, and they lost by seven. But the week, the week later, they beat the Jets. And then they beat the Bills. It felt like they were really, really, really gaining momentum. And it felt like they were had a fire under them, that they wanted to win. Okay, yeah. You know what? I generally – I don't have that many uh, rebuttals to that, I guess. I, I definitely agree. It was – the word I'd say is culture. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a buzzword, but – in all honesty, just the culture seemed different in 2018 versus 2019. It's, I agree exactly with what you were saying. They had the underdog mentality in 2018 and 2019. They got cocky and they were they were already they were it's expected that they were going to do well and they didn't have that same fire in them. I don't have much else to add. You said it well, Oren. So yeah. I guess we will move on. Okay, so the Bears. Didn't really seem great last year. They they seemed, seemed a bit incompetent. Mm-hmm. What, game you, what, what game do you think resembled the 2018 Bears the most? Ah, uh, nostalgia. Well, I mean, there are a few that come to mind, but mainly, and this one, I'll defend my point. I would say the Redskins for a few reasons. First of all, they had a defensive touchdown, which was a lot more rare in 2019 than it was in 2018. And additionally, Trubisky actually, I mean, he played pretty well. He was able to deliver to Taylor Gabriel three times. It was almost like the Tampa game where it wasn't a, it was a pretty bad defense, and, but Trubisky was still able to, you know, deliver a bunch of good throws and uh, get the ball in Taylor Gabriel's hand for three touchdowns in the first half. But another reason why I chose the Redskins game over other games that maybe later in the season that also might have resembled 2018 is because there was still, when I was watching that game live, it's still like, I still had hope for the bears. I still had more hope for the bears than I would have watching a game where they might've played better, but it was still later in the season. And I was all like sad already. But at this point in the season during the Redskins game, I was, I was feeling great. It was because it was still in the first four games. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the Redskins game was a game that really boosted confidence because it felt like the bears, played against Green Bay at home and they lost and it felt like Green Bay was bad the year before and it felt like the Bears got three points and they held the Packers yeah. to 10 points Rodgers to 10 points that's your dream scenario and then they played the Broncos and they won by a, on a game winning field goal yeah so it seemed exactly it seemed like such a statement win at the time and it was just so exhilarating yeah. and it resembled that game resembled what all of 2018 resembled but unfortunately you know, the big change and shift that Bears fans hoped would happen after that game, or at least just maintaining momentum, maybe not a big change, just never occurred. Yeah, it never it never really sustained for long. They played well against the Vikings, but then the Raiders game, I think that's when they... Yeah. And I would say yeah. the Cowboys game, because I remember watching the Cowboys game, and it was a Cowboys team that was not doing great, but... They're a good team. They have Prescott, Elliott, Cooper. They have a great offense. And the Bears won that game 31 to 24. You look at the score, okay, they won by a touchdown. That's not good. That's good, but not amazing. But the Bears kind of dominated the game. It was it was 24 to 7 at in the end of the third quarter. And the Bears just they scored game, they scored stupid touchdowns. It felt like the Bears offense, the Bears defense may not have had the turnovers that they would like or the stuff that normally the Bears defense had in 2018, but it felt like dominance. It felt like the best passing offense in the NFL was stopped. They didn't yeah. score the touchdown. And the, a great running back in Elliott with a good offensive line couldn't do anything. It felt like a, like a 2018 Bears defense. And, and, and the Bears offense was actually able to put up yeah, 30 exactly. plus points, which was a rarity. Yeah. And also, exactly. to, to your credit, that, what I just said, and also the Cowboys are a much better team than the Redskins, even if they were a disappointment last year. Yeah. And so, what made yeah. that win feel like so much like the 2018 team 
is that the Bears technically were still in playoff contention. Okay, okay, okay. I knew I knew that was going to get brought up. Here's my bottom line. Here's what I'm going to be saying. I kind of brought this up before when I was mentioning the Redskins. I was weighing between choosing the Redskins or the Cowboys for the answer to this question. But I chose the Redskins because during the time like of the Cowboys game and around like that like week maybe 14 plus or like from week 12 on, I was saying if the Bears make the playoffs this year, like they'll do badly, they'll get out in the first round, and they don't deserve to make the playoffs. At that time, by week 10, by week 12, or sometime near then, the Bears were just such an undisciplined team. It, it was clear that even if they would make the playoffs, they wouldn't have an impact, and it was really like an un- the team unworthy of making the playoffs, is what I'm saying. So yeah, well, by the I time the Cowboys game rolled around, even though I was happy that the Bears played well, I just felt like it didn't it didn't represent the the the, the season as as much, and I and I had so much less hope than I did into the Redskins game. I agree with you, but look at the Titans. If you take out their last four or five games, they shouldn't have made the playoffs. Yeah, fine, but like I I, I don't but, know. It's, it's the Bears. I I trust them more to mess things up than I trust the Titans to mess things up. And also, and also, I want to talk about the Titans. They didn't bring in. They didn't bring in the Bears didn't bring in Ryan Tannehill for their past five for their last five games. <laughs> I get it. You never, a completely different quarterback. You so. never know Trubisky. Trubisky can one game look like no, 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 no. Oren, silly goose. One game, <laughs> one game. Trubisky can look like uh, a Pro Bowl quarterback. Three and another no, one game. He'll look like pile of garbage. Another game. He'll look like. A slightly less full pile of garbage. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, all right. M- moving on, you got anything else to say? No, I think that the Cowboys game may have had a may have it may have shown that the Bears' offense was not the worst in the NFL because they played well. Trubisky played well. Montgomery played well. Which you could say that that doesn't really reflect the 2018 season because they weren't dominant on offense. They were average at offense. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like. In general, the defensive dominance in that game and the offensive, just the offensive excitement, like reminds me of a of the Bears in 2018. Okay, in some way, this next question is almost the opposite of the question we were going over. What game summarizes the 2019 season? So really, while the Redskins and Cowboys games were kind of um, outliers, which game do you think really encapsulates all their struggles and all the disappointments that happened last well, year? I would have to say the Eagles. You go look back, the Bears just lost at home to the Chargers on a game-winning field goal, which is not a – the Chargers were not a great team. The week before, they got crushed by the Saints. It may have been 25 20, – it was 35-25. to 25. But either way, whatever it was, it doesn't really matter because they came off those two losses – and they needed to win this 36, game. 36-25. 36-25. Mm-hmm. And they needed, need, needed to win this game. And it felt like when they came into this game, they were terrible. Their offense in the first half had nine yards. I think you have to try to not gain yards. <laughs> yeah. To gain yeah. only nine yards. That they was had, brutal. Their first, first down was at the end of the first half. And their score was 12-0. The season is that the Bears' offense couldn't do anything. Really, really couldn't do anything. But the halftime score is 12 nothing Because the Bears' defense may not have been dominant, but the Bears' defense still kept them in games, like the season. Mm-hmm. Additionally, the Bears, the Eagles came out and scored a touchdown. It was 19-0. And then the Bears started to go on a roll. They started to do pretty well. They scored one touchdown with Montgomery. Scored two touchdowns with Montgomery. But it wasn't like the Bears were doing amazing. It felt like a bit of luck. It felt like a bit of everything going their way, which is kind of, it felt very, very, very unlikely that the Bears were going to win because of how bad they played the whole game. They didn't deserve to win. It felt like the Bears' season, like what you said earlier, the Bears didn't deserve to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It, felt mm-hmm. like the Bears, it felt like the Bears' playoff push at the end, but they didn't deserve to make it. And what yeah. ended up happening is, is that the Bears' defense needed one stop, just one stop out of the Eagles. And they couldn't get it. And I'm not saying that the Bears' defense was bad necessarily. What I'm saying is, is that the Bears needed that one stop, that one good game against Rodgers, that one really dominant game against Rodgers. 
because the offense was not great. I'm not going to argue that the offense was great, but the offense didn't have one of their worst games. The offense scored 14 points. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, you know, it's sad when 14 points isn't it, like isn't a bad game. It isn't terrible. It's yeah, just, but like you, the other thing is, is that the defense didn't perform to their to their potential, to their best, to what they're expected. You know, yeah. Also, 22 points isn't. It's, it's not holding amazing, someone at 22. But the Bears, Rodgers only had 10 points in Soldier Field in the first week. Yeah, okay. So if you want to talk about most depressing, I'd say that maybe, maybe Eagles are second to the Packers game just with the added, I mean, whatever. I think for obvious reasons, the Packers game. But if I want to talk about what game summarized, truly summarized the 2019 season the most, it is the Saints game. Because from an outsider perspective, when uh, if you look at the Bears season or if you just look at the Bears record, eight and eight isn't great, but it's really not. No, no one's gonna look at and say, "Oh, the Bears went eight and eight. They were terrible that year." You know, it's just yeah, it's literally average. It's what it is. It's eight and eight. I think that goes the same for the Saints game. They lost by eleven. It was thirty six twenty five, as we previously mentioned. Um, if you look at so if you look at that game from the outside, you know, wow, the Bears kind of lost, but you don't think, wow, they got crushed, but the same for both the season and the and the Saints game. If you look closer and examine what happened in both scenarios, it was falling apart in the seams in both in both instances. For example, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying that it was falling apart in the seams. But what I would say is is that is that really what I feel like that's not the game that summarizes it because the Bears they've had a bad season. Bad. Season. Well, okay, okay. What I'm talking about is. They should. They were down by like twenty something, and they scored like a bunch of these dumb trash time points, like a few trash time touchdowns, and got some dumb onside kicks. Like they didn't deserve to win that game. That's what I was saying before about deserving to win. This the Bears kind of came close to winning the Saints game with that whole onside kick thing. They didn't deserve to win that game, just like the Bears' entire season. They didn't deserve to win the playoffs because there was just a general lack of discipline. Yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. But what I'm saying is, that if you look at this specific game. You look at the Bears were down by, I'm, I would say at one point they were down by, I know at least 15, maybe 20. Mm-hmm. It was a complete, complete, complete demolition. And the Bears did off the Bears team, I'm not going to say it was great. I'm, I'm not crediting the Bears at all for what they did in the fourth quarter. I don't care. It was trash time. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying the Bears lost by 20. They didn't lose by 11. Yeah, exactly. What I'm saying well, is that did the Bears lose this season by 25? Because the Bears, let's say, even if the Bears' expectations were necessarily 10 and 6, 11 and 5, I'm not sure that like 25 is getting demolished. Well, like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, that basically ties into what I'm saying. That yeah. from an outsiding perspective, 8 and 8 isn't losing, isn't being crushed, isn't like terrible. Yeah. But for, in my eyes and in my, like, from watching all the Bears games, and knowing like what they could have been and yeah. just seeing how sloppily they performed, even when they won, it just felt so, uh, I just felt like it was falling apart at the seams, like I was saying. So even though eight and eight didn't, isn't that bad of a number alone, truly, I think the Bears performed worse than their record. Should. I agree that they performed worse than their record, but I think is what you're saying is how many teams lose by 25 points a week? When you think about it, maybe one at most. So mm-hmm. the point is, is that 25 points is a lot. Mm-hmm. So the point is, what I'm trying to make is, is that you have to do so much worse than your expectations. And I get it. The Bears had good expectations of being in the playoffs, of maybe even making a run. But 8-8, eight and eight, I agree that it wasn't an 8-8 eight and eight season. It didn't feel like it. It might, it might have felt like a 6-10 and 10 season. Just I mean, if any, it was basically 7-9 and nine season because the Bears played the Vikings. The, the Bears barely, the Bears beat, the Vikings backups on a chip shot field goal. That's kind of depressing. No, you're right. I agree that it's depressing, but also it's an unmotivated Bears versus a motivated second string Vikings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. That's my bottom line. Right. We're going around in circles. It's fine. So now we're gonna go into the now we're gonna go into the speed round. Which that does gonna, it. Which for our main thing. Thirty to forty five seconds to debate a an idea yeah so basically we're each gonna get we have six of these questions i'm gonna feed Orn a question he's gonna feed me a question we're both gonna answer the questions just 
whoever asks the question answers it second, I guess. I don't know. You have 30 seconds to answer a more quick or fun question. All right. Oren, you want to ask me first? Sure. The you, are you are timing it? The Bears are projected around eight wins. Do you believe more or less? You know, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic for all the depressing stuff I was talking about earlier. I'm going to say a more. No, I'm not saying, you know, a lot more. But I can't see, consider with all things considered, with how bad I think the Bears played in 2019, the fact that they were still able to get eight wins, I don't see anything that happened in this offseason off that leads me to believe, like, they didn't lose anything significant. So nothing leads me to believe that they will do worse. They, they got Nick Foles. I, I, like, I just can't see a scenario in which the Bears do worse. I could see them being the same, I, but yeah. Yeah, when I, I was going to say the same thing. I felt like everything went wrong for the Bears last year. No, not, not a good quarterback. Running game didn't work. Only one good, sustainable, consistent wide receiver. Literally no tight ends. Offensive line just wasn't great. Defense regressed, and I get they were still elite, but they regressed. Mm-hmm. Special teams got better, but I mean, it's special teams. Special teams can't win so many games, but it feels like you have to. It felt like the Bears did everything wrong and they still went to 8 and 8. Yeah, and I exactly. Feel like they, I feel like there just can't really be a scenario where everything goes as badly as last year. And I feel like even if there is a scenario where half the stuff goes bad as last year, half the stuff goes bad as last year, they still win nine games, 10 games because they have an easier schedule. I feel right. like your schedule and everything will just go better. All right. Yeah. I'm cutting you off. I agree with what you said. We're on the same page in that one. Okay. So ESPN reporter, I believe Ryan Clark, his name said that Alan Robinson is not a wide receiver one. Do you believe this? Is he right? Or is he wrong? That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, I feel like Alan Robinson to be a wide receiver one, you have to be one of the top 32 wide receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Alan Robinson is a top 32 wide receiver. He's unbelievable. He's played with Blake Bortles. And he averaged, he had 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. He's mm-hmm. played with Trubisky, had 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. You can't ask for more production from a player with worse quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Imagine him with Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, just a real good, good, good quarterback. His potential isn't even being used in the right way because – He's went to Jacksonville and Chicago with two bad quarterbacks. And hopefully, I don't know if he can, but hopefully Nick Foles can get that potential out of him. But I don't know. You're done. You're done. You're done. I'm cutting you off. So, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I agree that he's 100% a wide receiver one. But your, your your little thing about 32 wide receivers, I think that's a little bogus because I believe Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, for example, just in Tampa Bay are both better than uh, Allen Robinson. So I, I don't know if your example holds up in that respect but still generally i believe that alan robinson is definitely a wide receiver one for what for some of your other points to that mitchell trubisky isn't a great quarterback and alan robinson is still able to produce and i mean yeah alan robinson's been playing with bad quarterbacks his whole career basically blake bortles um and he still was able to make it to the pro bowl oh my favorite word but still yeah so that that's it okay so according to Clay Projections, which is Mike Clay's projection system, Nick Foles will play more games than Trubisky. Do you think this will happen, yes or no? Well, I think there's two parts to this question. It's do I think and what do I – like what do I want to happen? What do I think will happen? Well, I want <laughs> Trubisky out, I guess. I mean, I have more faith in Nick Foles, the guy who has led the Eagles team uh, multiple times into great successes than Trubisky. But do I think this will happen? I'm not – really sure to be honest because uh, one side is telling me that the Bears must have had some doubt in Trubisky to even sign a guy like Nick Foles but on the other side I think the Bears have so much pride like general manager Ryan Pace doesn't want to give us his pride he wants to still stick with his guy that he traded so much for so I don't know if he'll I think he might be hesitant to pick to um to switch out Trubisky with Nick Foles and also Trubisky might end up playing better under the pressure of uh, being swapped out for Nick Foles. So bottom line is I think they'll start with Trubisky and depending on his play, it'll either be Trubisky or Foles. But judging by that, I don't have that much faith in Trubisky. Nick Foles will end up getting, getting more playing. So I personally think that Trubisky is a clutch quarterback. There have been times where he shows that he's clutch, sometimes that he shows he's not. It's a mixed bag. But my point is, is that 
he might do well in training camp. But what if there's not training camp? They're <laughs> closing down good training point, camp. Good point, good like point. Not even having there, – there's consideration that the NFL might not even happen. I doubt that that will happen because the NFL is such a big, a big thing in the U.S. that they're going to plan for months to prepare for it happening. But if there's no training camp, then I think that what the Bears have to do is they're in a win-now situation. And they know that if there's no training camp, I think that helps Nick Foles. Because most people would say, oh, Nick Foles doesn't even know the offense. He hasn't practiced with them. And he doesn't have chemistry yeah. with the receivers. But Nick Foles knows the offense 10 times better than Trubisky. Nick Foles succeeds <laughs> in the offense. Wow. So I think that it may sound – it may be not great, but I think that Trubisky might not be the starting quarterback right away. And he, I think he, Nick Foles will play more games than Trubisky because there might not even be training camp. All right. Good. So okay. after the 2019 season, the Bears were kind of clearly an undisciplined team. Do you think that you should blame Nagy for bringing so much attention into the kicker rather than focusing on other positions that ended up being a lot of their, the cause for a lot of their struggles? So what I said earlier is I think Nagy is the reason the Bears started to, to decline at three when Ooh. they were three and one. And I think the reason for that is because they, they were just too cocky and they were unable to regain themselves. And it felt like they were just, I don't know, they were just stuck and they couldn't have the fire under them. And I think that I don't know if it's necessarily um, necessarily Matt Nagy bringing in the kickers. Mm-hmm. I, I actually wouldn't say it's Matt Nagy bringing in the kickers and, and thinking less about um, the other positions. I think it's Matt Nagy bringing so much attention. It made the Bears feel like, oh, we're going to be great. We don't need to work so hard. There was less of a – they felt like they could work less and do better, yeah. which was not the case. So I don't think that – the fact that they worry less about other positions is the problem. I think the problem is that he brought so much attention to the Bears by having so many kickers. Okay, well, I think that part it's part the kickers and also part preseason. You know, I actually supported both the kicker and the preseason decision. For those of you who don't know, Matt Nagy chose to bench a lot of his starters during the preseason. And most people don't really think that the preseason matters that much, myself included. But now after seeing what how undisciplined, I've used that word a lot, uh, the Bears starters were at the, in the regular season. It leads me to believe, well, maybe Matt Nagy should have given them some experience. And it, in retrospect, maybe he actually should have um, focused more on not the kickers, but actually the starting lineup players who ended up having the most struggles in 2019. So basically, in retrospect, I think Nagy should have adjusted some of his focus, especially in the preseason. So going off where we were talking about Nagy, after Coach of the Year award, does the Bears organization and Bears fans regret the signing of Matt Nagy? Organization and fans. Well, there are certainly going to be a lot of fans who turn quickly on Nagy. But even after, you might be surprised by this, even after all my criticism of Nagy, I'm still sticking with him. And I think 100% the Bears organization is. I mean, again, to what I was saying, 8-8, eight and eight, it was a bad season. It was a pretty bad season. But uh, Matt Nagy's overall record as a coach is still 20 and 12 or 20 and 13 if you want to count the playoff loss. But I don't know. Whatever. That's debatable. So anyway, Matt Nagy has still done great things for this organization and really kind of turned it around from what John Fox was, even if uh, last year wasn't what Bears fans had hoped it to be. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Matt Nagy may not have had a great year, but he still brought a winning culture into the Bears. And <laughs> even I though the culture that, was bad last year. Well, I so. mean... It was good two years ago, but this year it wasn't as great. But I think when you really look at it, the organization has a lot of faith in him. They know how important the tight end position is. They signed Jimmy Graham to big contract. They're looking to draft a tight end. They know that it seems that Matt Nagy doesn't like Trubisky that much. They went to go trade for Nick Foles, a guy who Matt Nagy knows. It feels like the Bears have more faith in Matt Nagy than they do in Mitchell Trubisky. In their okay. Career. So yeah. it feels all around, maybe the fans don't have as much faith in Matt Nagy as the Bears do, as the Bears organization does, but it feels like the Bears organization is really rallying around Matt Nagy more than any other players. All right, so in 2019, or in 2018, Eddie Jackson was a great upcoming player. He recorded a lot, lots of touchdowns. Sorry, I don't have the exact stats on me. But in 2019, he wasn't terrible, but he kind of dipped. So in 2020, do you anticipate a bounce-back year for Eddie Jackson? I do. I'll explain to you why. Eddie Jackson, with Ha Clinton Dix and Eddie Jackson, they both play free safety. And what happened is, is that they put Ha they put Ha Clinton Dix at free safety, and Eddie Jackson played more strong safety, played more in the box, which I guess is a good thing. 
but he's not a strong safety. He's a free safety. He's a ball hawk. He can go mm-hmm. and run for the ball and catch it. His strengths were not used, but he has a hot Clinton Dix. Now, don't get me wrong. Hot Clinton Dix is a good player, and he's a great. he was a great signing. They got him for cheap, and I like how they signed him, but he just didn't fit the Bears. The Bears re-signed Dan Bush, who he's fine, but he can play the strong safety position when Eddie Jackson plays free safety. The Bears are probably going to draft. They might draft a uh, strong safety, but whatever they do, I feel like the Bears know that Eddie Jackson needs to be put at strong at free safety. Also, the Bears want Eddie Jackson to play kind of like Ed Reed because Chuck Pagano was the head coach for... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to cut you off there. I'm sorry, buddy. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, I really, not only do I anticipate, but mainly I just really hope for a bounce back here for Eddie Jackson because Eddie Jackson was really like playing like almost a defensive player of the year in 2018. And um, I do agree that in 2019, they didn't really play to Eddie Jackson's strengths. And I believe that uh, uh, in 2020, hopefully, I guess this is just more based on hope than anything else, but I truly hope because I think that a lot of their success in the secondary revolves around Eddie Jackson. So I'll make another statement instead of (laughs) answering this actual question. But if Eddie Jackson is to come back, then their defense will be exceptional. Yeah. I think their defense has the potential this year to be better than last year. Well, yeah, of course. And better than, tw- I mean, keep improving. Who knows? That's in 2018, I think. Because what happens is they added Robert Quinn, which really, really, really solidifies their pass rush. The quarterbacks that they're going against will have no time to throw the ball. And when they force the ball, who do you have there? You have Kyle Fuller. You have either Trey Roberson. You have all these other players. And if they chuck it up deep, you have Eddie Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So thank you guys all for listening. And bear down. Bear down. If you enjoyed this episode of From the Den, please remember to comment or leave a review depending on your listening platform. Or if you're a Packers fan, remember to write some nasty reviews and comments. Thanks for listening and bear down.